0: Hey, everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. And today we are hitting the books. Uh, we are talking Mona Livelong, Paranormal Detective by Valjean Jeffers, uh, who sadly s- sloughed off the mortal coil um, not not too long ago. Yeah, it was, a, it was a couple of weeks ago. As of this recording.
1: Right. You told me because I am no longer socially media Mederic. Right. Meteoric, whatever you
0: call it. You're no longer plugged into the Gibson. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I said fuck you to everyone.
0: You left the unimind. Yep. <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right, so yep, we we checked out this book. We've been sadly meaning to to, to get in back into the world of Mona Live Long. I think we uh, read a short story some time we read, ago. Well, we've read
1: a couple of short stories, but uh, she was featured in because she was in Griotes. and Griotes, too. Uh, she was, in, but the most recent one was way back a long time ago with Sycorax's Daughters, mm-hmm. um, where m- we read a snippet from the second Mona Long
0: paranormal detective novel. Right, right. And so we decided... Which I think we both enjoyed very much. Yes, it was quite interesting, and uh, there are a lot of interesting elements that... Uh, Valjean puts into the Mona Live stories that we'll get into as uh, we discuss. Uh, elevator synopsis, Steve. Um. Oh, now you're going to make me prove that I
1: read the book, huh? <laughs> a uh, people of color, prominent people of color, are being killed in a less than natural way. In um thinking this is um somewhere around New Orleans, right?
0: Um the exact geographic location is unclear.
1: Yes, but it it it, it seems to be around New Orleans. That yeah. in Louisiana somewhere. Suburban New Orleans. Right? Mm, possibly. That's what
0: I was
1: anyway, uh they are disappearing, being killed by a mysterious uh, serial killer, and the two detectives on the case decide that they need to pull in a pro, which would be Curtis, one of the detectives, ex-lover Mona Livelong paranormal detective who I'm is sorry. pulled in to um, track down the supernatural angle of what is going on. We end up with a story filled, it's an alternative um, earth Mm -hmm. um, where uh, America has been divided into North America, the U.S. of A. has been divided into the country of North America
0: and the true
1: America, right? That's what it was called? Yep,
0: that's the antagonist state. Those are the southern Mm -hmm. states. And if you're up on current politics, you can pretty much figure out how that works.
1: And the reason why I thought it was in Louisiana is because pretty much it was divided north and south, I figured. Right. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it seemed like. Uh, But there were pockets, Louisiana or at least New Orleans being one of them, that were part of um, North America as opposed to true America.
0: Right. And, you know, there are a lot of Cajuns. Well, you know, you get get transplants all over the place. Um, (laughs) Okay, it was in Baltimore. Uh, Definitely not Baltimore. I don't think it went quite that far uh, up. Um, Yeah, unlike a lot of uh, these types of alternative history settings... uh, Valjean does not include a map in the text of the book. Uh a lot of people like to do that. Uh have a map of the world so you know you kind of get a feel for the geography. Well, but maps are definitely helpful. Right. And it didn't really even have to be a very fancy map, just kind of like a, the United States current as we know it as a blob and then like some hastily drawn borders. But Right. What the the most important thing that you need to know about this particular setting is very southern.
1: <laughs> it is very southern and very steampunk.
0: Yes. Now there there's another thing we need to address as well as that this is kind of current day steampunk. Uh, yes. The steampunk revolution, as it were, gaslight era lasted well into uh, the 20th century. Right. Uh, There are references to events in the 1950s and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. If you were going to have an alternate universe where the steampunk aesthetic and the technology that went along with it Mm -hmm. was a thing, uh, because obviously there was a steampunk aesthetic. It was Victorian England. Right. But if there was technology that that was uh viable into the future you know some of those um the more aesthetic parts of it mm-hmm. might just um by necessity survive
0: right right
1: so it, it's not it's not a far-fetched thing with uh having having you know people with cut off gloves
0: and right, right. Or I stuff. Mean...
1: <laughs> have you ever seen the key and peel, where one of them is steampunk, mm, and if, the other one's not, and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?"
0: I, I think I've seen it, but uh, I—it's vague. It's been a while. It's hilarious. You should watch it. It's hilarious.
1: Anyway, as
0: an aside, so yeah, what we're what we're left is is possibly a world in the year that this story was this the story was written uh, twenty twelve thirteen fourteen. Yeah, uh, I think it was like. Yeah, early teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is weird how you have this this type of fantasy world, um, the, and and it locks in those those fantasy tropes of that technological stasis. We we never uh, developed electricity. Everything's gaslight still. Everything is gas
1: powered or steam powered. Right. There's no uh, radio. One- no telephone one thing, but one thing that it that it does really well is cuz there's magic involved in this mm-hmm. this realm right demons right. that kind of thing ghosts and having that um steampunk aesthetic lends credence to the uh supernatural in a way that you wouldn't have if this was our modern world. Right, It's right. a lot easier, I think, to disbelieve in that stuff when, you know, the setting is the same as what you live.
0: Right, right. The, a, the urban fantasy tropes <laughs> where everything is modern. There's cell phones and cameras everywhere, and yet this whole supernatural world that exists partially out in the open is right. completely hidden from you. Well, view. Well, like,
1: even like Harry Potter.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: has to dumb down the practitioners of magic mm-hmm. to make it you know believable, right? I mean, if you if you look at some of the, the wizards in there, they're idiots mm-hmm. they're, they're like just they're morons. And it's it's almost insulting uh, Where like if you look at a, a at like the Amish, the Amish know what a TV is right I, I mean they choose to live the way they choose to live but they're not dumb right exactly and and she gets around this by uh this like i i guess you know victorian aesthetic in a
0: modern setting mm-hmm. and I, pre- pretty I, clever and i think the Vist- victorian aesthetic lends to kind of the believability of the supernatural events. And and someone who can feasibly make a living as a paranormal detective. As we are talking about an aesthetic that is also th- the heights of spiritualism. Where a lot right. of these things are, are pretty commonplace. Um, and there were some pretty morbid practices back in those Victorian days. So we have the, the nice... Aesthetic going on of uh, corsets and steam cars and uh, you know black powder weapons and people who are willing to you know knife fight just as much as they are you know there are no like automatic weapons and shit like that right it it kind of it kind of simplifies things a little bit uh, by taking away some of that technology. Yet, it also subverts a lot of the imperialistic tones of the steampunk aesthetic uh, and gives us a a narrative that is very much centered, uh, not just on the South, but in communities of color.
1: Right. Well, she does uh, go on to explain a little bit about the racial uh, situation in, in the... Uh, the North American country Mm -hmm. uh, where that there was a, what did they call it? The great experiment.
0: The grand experiment.
1: Yeah. Which was basically um, everyone has equal rights and um, how white people reacted to it within the the, uh, North American states. And not everybody was pleased. um, As a matter of fact, they talk about one of the two, detectives um what was his name there was curtis
0: and harold i think so i think harold might have been his first name but yeah
1: anyway he 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 was white and when when they started letting uh letting in black constables uh he accepted it because it was the law
0: right law and order every time for this guy
1: right not because you know he felt that people should be equal but because it was the law and then, over time, um, he came to realize
0: right a kind the, of a, the value the value of equality. Yeah, the in the heat of the night kind of moment.
1: Yeah, I never saw that.
0: <laughs> um, a, a, yeah, Curtis, our 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 secondary protagonist, really does have a feel. You know, you have a feeling that he probably would have like. You will call me Mister Curtis for for those of you who have seen. Well, everyone knows about... Mr. Tibbs. Mr. Tibbs. That's right. Mr. Tibbs. And, yeah. A, another interesting thing is how efficient Valjean writes in this story is that this, this is a very short book. Um, yet, there That's is... Like 150 as, pages yeah, long. 150 pages. If that, because
1: like the paragraphs are double-spaced.
0: Right. But... There's a lot of world building f- fit into that 150 pages that is kind of organic. You know, it's not yeah, like of- info dumps. It's like you get morsels about what, how the world, the rules of the world, as plot as you need to get them. Almost- yeah, well, some
1: of it was definitely info dump, but some of it was was more. Um, it comes up in casual conversation, mm-hmm. and I think that and, and I, I can't attest to this because I haven't read the other books in the series or any of her other long works, mm-hmm. but it seems like this was an earlier thing that she wrote. And right. I think she, it's like something that you, you get over that, you know, as you, as you just learn to write more.
0: Right. Right. You know,
1: it, it almost seems that that stuff like that is, is, um, I don't want to say rookie mistakes, but, um, due to less experience right Right. yeah and then obviously she's she's uh self-published right so you know she doesn't have the the she's depending on i'm I'm guessing here she's depending on beta readers as opposed to an editor you know who who can tell her look right here you have this huge info dump that you can like work into a conversation here right you know what i'm saying Mm.
0: It, it but it's still done fairly well
1: yeah no no i'm not saying i'm not don't get i know wrong, i know you're not it like was, it done it i'm I'm saying that like i think that it, it's you know an earlier work of hers mm-hmm. that, that's
0: all right still it's it, it i i kind of needed that info dump <laughs> no i mean you, you know,
1: definitely need to have the world building you Yeah. Can't,
0: Especially in it, it, something that has magic in it, because you need to know the rules of how magic works. and
1: You need to know how, how the magic works, and you kind of need to know in a story that really relies heavily on... Um, social mores. Racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind of have to know the, the situation.
0: Right, and, and, and right. social mores as well. You have to know how the, the society works to know how right. people move in and out. Um, of right. these various locations, uh, so we have Mona. Uh, she gets dragged into this uh, serial murder investigation, uh, even though she's working on a case of her own, and it triggers an angry ghost in in somebody's house, and they're kind of stuck. You know, they've given all of their money to this guy. They got a house, and they got an angry ghost, in it, and they ask her, and it. Kind of starts snowballing from there. Right.
1: Well, she, uh, yeah, she, in in the true uh, Judge D fashion,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, the uh, cases end up being related. Right. Uh, so you have a, a point where she's working two cases, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, and then she shifts, and then it all kind of... It doesn't all come together they're related but there's enough uh loose ends involved in this that um it sets up the plot for the second book Mm -hmm. i did a little cheating but it does it sets up the plot for the for the second book
0: ah so there you go yeah, well, I mean, the to-be-continued on the last page kind of gave that away.
1: Well, no, but I'm saying that the to-be-continued is specific. Like, she may have wrapped up, like, the main cases, mm-hmm. you know, to right. There's still Right, there was still fashion, a couple but of like threads. Right, there's shit that's still happening that's related to this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a flow. It's not episodic, I guess, Right. Right. You don't need a, uh, you know, a, 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 a backstory scroll, <laughs> panning down to a planet.
0: Right. Now, what did what you do? What would you think of the book overall? We we've um, discussed the world building. Now, I thought it was a
1: it was a pretty cool story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was interesting for the most part. Um, there were parts where I felt that um things were wrapped up too neatly like mm-hmm. little subplots right or little bits of action um i guess there wasn't enough the, the tension release cycle i thought the release a lot some of the releases were a little bit too much and not a lot of people were harmed Harm's a, a bad word tested properly do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Uh, you know, if, if until the end, the end, it, it picked up, it definitely picked up more towards the end. But there were like like little sequences where they could have um, had more at stake, more loss, more um, yes buts. I guess mm. you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Just going going back to solo RPG land.
0: Right, I got you.
1: Um, but I think also that that is something that is indicative of someone who's just starting out writing novels, right?
0: Right. So so for, for a early effort...
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I could say the same thing about early efforts for a ton of writers. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not like, oh... It spoiled it for me. Right, right, right. It's like, okay, if she just does tweak here, tweak there, I think it could have been uh, more riveting, I guess, you know, to, to make you want to read it more, you, you have things like where a character resolves a situation, but not fully, mm-hmm. right, right. So there's some loss that happens um in a dire situation and towards the end that did happen and I think once the shit hit the fan um it definitely picked up and maybe I'm just spoiled by watching too many action films from the 80s right mm-hmm. where you know Indiana Jones finds out that his not only did his dad sleep with the girl that he slept with but she's a Nazi <laughs> right right you know, you resolve a situation. You get, you know, you find your your rubbing of the shield, but unfortunately, the person you are working with is is a uh, you know a Nazi, right? Right. There, there wasn't enough of that. Not Nazis, but you know what I'm saying.
0: Right. Right. The only time Nazis are ever really acceptable is if they're being slaughtered in Jericho by monsters or or anything else. <laughs> By, yes. by monsters is even better though. Now overall, I you know I well, well I, what
1: did you I, what did you think
0: of I, it? I enjoyed it. I, I kind of like let it carry me along. Uh, I, I found it did have a lot of these same uh, kind of tropes that uh, a lot of urban fantasy storytelling has. You know, you have the cop, you have the magical protagonist. You have the supernatural ally. Um, you mm-hmm. have the constant allusions to uh, things that have happened prior to this story that may or may not have been written down in the past. Um, but I, I, I think that the, the world that uh, Mona Livelong occupies was vibrant enough that it kept uh, it, it kept my mind off of those, so I, I kept imagining you know the the it was a very visual sort of uh, world in, in this case, uh, I was able to imagine it easily. I was able to. Uh, That's because you're from New Orleans. Well, yeah, it might be it might be <laughs> a, a little bit of homesickness too, you know, and conjuring mental images of my in my mind of these events happening in places I'm familiar with. Uh, to an extent. Uh live oak trees with Spanish moss hanging off of them.
1: Hey man, it helps.
0: New Orleans after Katrina where where there is wasn't a whole lot of like electricity going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, traffic, no traffic lights or anything, so and street lights, so everything was just kind of like dark in in a lot of places and yeah it it, that really did kind of help out with uh with my imagination and yeah i just found myself just kind of like uh kicking along with it um and having myself a grand old time uh you know i the the dialect she she used in the dialogue for Cajuns, i you know I found myself, you know, saying it out loud in in the in a cadence I was familiar with, and actually, yeah, I mean, I guess being from the Deep South really affects uh, how I look at things, and it might and it might be one of the things I enjoy about reading a lot of uh, a lot of these independent writers that we've done on the show, you know, Milt and Balagon mm-hmm. and Valjean and and several others. Um, that were all from uh, the same region and there's a lot of cultural elements that get thrown in there that that you know, just kind of remind me being a kid.
1: Yeah, I can I can definitely see that.
0: So so there was something very very familiar, I guess, about about the whole experience of reading it. You know, that was kind of like a you know, a warm bowl of grits in the my... <laughs> morning. Yeah, they
1: had me until the grits part. (laughs) Yeah, see, like a a nice hot steam bowl of chowder.
0: (laughs) I I suppose. See, there's there it is. You know, chowder gets you some side eye (laughs) in in this world. I believe, like, ah, looking for a bowl of chowder. Uh, Where the hell you from? (laughs) But yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. the The concept of the Wendigo, um, not to spoil it, uh, to, that was included in the book, really kind of like, you know, shifted me a little bit, but, you know, it was one of those and things. It was a little like, monster manually. Uh, yeah, but, you know, hey, part of part of the world, part of the world, just roll with it. I, I kind of like the way sometimes uh monster manually stuff enters into a world with um kind of familiar uh folklore but you know just tweaked just enough, you know.
1: Yeah. I suppose. Um Now, would you recommend this book to the people out there to have them to hold and to cherish.
0: Forever. Yeah, I would. I would say, you know, if if supernatural uh, detective stories are, are your thing, I would definitely say give Mona Live Long a shot. Um, you know, it's not long. You can get through a couple of them, you know, in a very short period of time. I, I don't know if the later ones got longer, but you know, this one in particular, um, you know, you're easy casual read in, in a couple of days or so.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a book that you can read for a little while, put down, pick up again. Um the edition that I had had a few typos that mm-hmm. were very confusing. Um so one of the characters' names was Andre. I'm not gonna say anything beyond that his name was Andre. Mm-hmm and a few times they referred to a character named Andrea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it confused the shit out of me. <laughs> Until I realized, oh okay, they, it's just uh it, it's just a you know, it's a typo. So but, but once again, that's you know, that's neither here nor there.
0: Right, right. But yeah, uh, overall I'd I'd say four out of five if I was giving it a a point rating. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and only because I, I very, very rarely give anything five out of five.
1: Well, it was. All right. So these are my criteria these days A, is it readable? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very readable. Okay. So there's that. B, is it presented well? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think for an ebook uh, not published by like Tor or whatever, yes. Um, is the story good? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it interesting? Yeah. Is it unique? You know, it's it's pretty much. It's not like um, there's a thousand stories like it, but it's not unfamiliar. Right. 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 Um, and I think for an earlier effort, it's great. Uh, and uh, it makes me want to read more of her work. Uh, I read a, actually read a couple of short stories just for S's and G's to kind of uh, bring me, you know, Deeper. to give me context, mm-hmm. just, just to give me a little bit of context. And, yeah, she's the real deal. She can write. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that any of my criticisms of the book really are just uh, issues of, of uh, experience.
0: hmm that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you know, as far as criteria goes, um, I mean, you'll you'll say it yourself. I, I enjoy things that uh, you absolutely cannot stand, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, does does it entertain me uh, for the time that I put into it? You know, do, I, do I feel like I've wasted my time at the end of it and this is definitely it's not never the never a waste
1: of time when you're reading for microphones of madness because we get a show out of it
0: well yes we get a show out of it but there are some things that uh, you do consume like even for the show okay. I've wished that flesh I had trade. that time alright there's
1: flesh trade I wish I'd never read that. (laughs) I'll say it. I'll say it loudly. That book sucked.
0: Right. Speaking of which, I saw some uh, Facebook memories of my uh, live read of that that particular. Yeah, if you want to hear something we absolutely hated, go back and s- check out that episode. <laughs> uh we're
1: probably I'm probably going to see those douches next week.
0: Oh, well, sorry. Um yeah, so that wraps it up. Definitely uh check out uh Mona Livlong, paranormal investigator, paranormal detective. Do not check out
1: Flesh Trade.
0: Right. <laughs> um yes. <laughs> Uh, Steve will be at Necronomicon Providence. Uh, I am. I can give around. you a
1: report if you want.
0: Um, I will not be there, so I will probably ask you questions next time we do it. We usually do a I'm Necronomicon really wrap-up type of. I'm really thing. just
1: going there to hang with Nick. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's really. Weird. I, I got into
1: one game. Mm-hmm. It, it was crazy because I'm not running a game this year. Right. Feel like it. So, but. It is an old school essentials game. Really? Yes, I'm going to play old school essentials on Friday.
0: Nice. Well, are they so, running an original or are they I have no
1: idea. I'm just going to bring my fucking
0: dice. So be prepared for some good old fashioned Clark Ashton Smith action going on. And I'm
1: just going to like whatever character they give me, I'm just going to yuck it up.
0: Well, I hope it's the dwarf, because you know, Old School Essentials is like Hero Quest. The best thing about it is the dwarf. <laughs> then why I mean, aren't you playing a dwarf? Because the dwarf was already claimed, and y'all, y'all need a healer. And I've... <laughs> Stepping out of my comfort zone for RPGs and and wait, you played
1: a cleric last time you played D&D. I,
0: I did, and that was the first cleric I'd ever played, and so this is the second cleric I've ever played.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not.
0: <laughs> yep, you're 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 playing to type. That's okay. I like playing to type. It's a good type. Speaking of playing to type,
1: have you checked out Adventures in Rokugan yet?
0: Uh, I have not. Um, that that would be the 5e adaptation of uh, Legend of the Five Rings? Yes. Uh, S- kind I, of. I am in So I got a copy of it for my birthday. Oh, nice. Is the artwork and on par with the current edition with the FFG? It is the same artwork. Oh, nice. I don't think they used any original artwork. Ah, they just... Uh, Use different text. Yes,
1: hmm. uh, the, the 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 premise is that these are more adventure-themed games than deep um, psychologically damaging games. Ah, uh-huh. so, but you know, because in in L five R, obviously, there's our mechanics that allow you to uh, to experience inner turmoil. Right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's those freaky dice. Right, and since inner turmoil cannot be dictated in D anD uh, they they basically say this is more adventurish than L five rs But here's the funny thing because I, I just started flipping through it. Uh, a lot, the lore is the same, right? But the, it comes with an adventure. In the back, right? Mm-hmm. Introductory Adventure, which is pretty cool. Guess what the map
0: is? Um, no idea. Daylight Castle. <laughs> I'm
1: like flipping through it. I'm going, oh. I know these ruins. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'd, I'd like to play it. It'd be a, uh, an interesting way to play D&D. Yeah, I
0: yeah. I, I I like the Rokugan setting well enough to uh, to give to to do it with Five E, and it's you know it beats learning a complicated game, right? With proprietary dice, <laughs> yes,
1: with super proprietary dice. Right. So
0: so really, it would either be you know playing Rokugan in its original edition, uh, three point or 5e now that those are your choices or the proprietary system
1: but anyway so and as i go yeah. play 3.0 that won't happen
0: right sorry can't find any of my 3 3.0 or roku books anyway so there you have it ladies and gentlemen a few little bonus snippets uh, <laughs> go out and get yourself a copy of uh, mona live Long, paranormal detective uh, head on down to Necronomicon Providence and uh, maybe well, catch Steve. For most of you. Right? And um, yeah, we might uh, try to do something with Adventures in Rokugan. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And until then. Balls. Absolutely.